0: Welcome to Multiple Revenue Streams, the podcast for anyone who wants to start a side hustle, business owners who wish to expand, entrepreneurs who build brands, and moms who build empires. I'm your host, Linda Payan, and I'm here to encourage you to keep going, do the little things every day, and start building a revenue stream that you are proud of. Please sit back, relax, grab your sparkling water, and let's find it. Hello, MRS listeners. Today, we have Christina Campbell Rappin, who is a business mentor and consultant. As the owner of Clear Acceleration Inc., she has a no-nonsense approach to helping business owners achieve consistent client growth by improving client conversation rates. Creative service business owners seek her out to create consistently profitable businesses by implementing proven marketing and business strategies to scale to multiple six figures. Christine is an international bestseller of Heal 4.0, You've Got the Power, and is host of two top-rated business podcasts. Welcome, Christine. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So excited to have you here. Let's start by having you share your journey as to why you started your business you mentioned you were um, at least in your notes you were in the corporate world for quite a long time and share how you transitioned and why you transitioned
1: you know i I did know from a young age that i would want to do something for myself in business and i i I will tell you candidly it would not have been the three businesses i own today but it was a moment many years ago now, almost eight or nine, where my life changed in a heartbeat in the world of corporate. And I was someone who covered Western Canada. I traveled a lot for business. I was very successful in my career. But I at the end of the day, where I had been in a different part of the country, helping small businesses figure out how to be successful, that I walked into the hotel, imagining a glass of wine, emails, like any other corporate warrior who simply said, oh, that's what the evening will look like, except for HR and my boss were in the hotel lounge and thought in a heartbeat, my life is going to change right now. And I had to take a very deep breath and walk into it because it was a completely unexpected termination. And they got on a plane and went home. I did not. I had to spend the next 17 hours in that hotel room having to make that phone call home to my then fiance saying, I've just lost my job. I need you to tell the kids who've never seen somebody who'd been fired before and prepare them for that. My life just, I had planned to be out of the country the following week on business. Like I was just suddenly very uprooted. Completely candidly, I spent most of that night crying on the bathroom floor thinking, what just happened? But eventually, I did get on a plane. I went home and I I really took a lot of time to pick myself up off the floor mentally and physically. And eventually I was like, this is the wake up call. There's no such thing as job security, except for what you create for yourself. And it is time to start doing something. And I had no idea what it would look like, but I just knew that I couldn't let that kind of risk factor ever exist in my life again. And so I was open to what would it look like? What would, I want to do. And it really was such a random conversation, but someone in my LinkedIn network from 10 years ago in my career reached out to me and said, like I think you're back halfway around the world. She lived in the UK, I was back in Canada and she said, "Do you want to have a conversation because I think there's something that I'm involved in that might interest you." And I was like, I can't even believe that you knew my name because we weren't social. We weren't friends outside of the office. We were just office colleagues. But something about our experience together when we worked at Procter & Gamble was like she knew I wanted to do something. And she said, do you want to have a conversation? And I was up for a conversation. I did not get out of bed on Wednesday to start a business. By Friday, I started my first business. And it was the least unexpected time. I had a million things going on. There was nothing about it that was logical. But I thought, if I don't start now, it's up to me. And there'll never be a perfect time. So why not do it when my life is super crazy? And that is actually how the first business for myself started. And it was a side hustle. I worked it one hour a day and it consistently grew. And that gave birth to, of course, many other dominoes that fall
0: down the line. So did you get another corporate job in the meantime and then work that one hour a day? Is that what? Yes, yeah, absolutely. What I, was,
1: I was working corporately and I worked corporately for a long time while building a business because I wanted the end story <laughs> like anybody else. I wanted my cake and eat it too. I wanted the stability and all the things that came with a, a regular paycheck, but I knew I wasn't going to be dependent on someone for my income ever again. Uh, and so it was the tenacity to say, you've got to find a way. You control the speed, but you've got to make it non-negotiable to get moving because no one's going to do it for you. That's right. That
0: story blows my mind that you were on the road. And that's, that's crazy to me. It sucked. I, love, <laughs> I, I clearly sucked, but I love your perseverance. You have a great quote on your about page where it said, perseverance in pursuit of our dreams is never an effortless path, nor must we make the journey solo for the journey to be worth it. Mm -hmm. And that really resonated with me. Do you want to add to that a little bit?
1: Well, you know, the the world is intersection points of people. Like we're so people powered. And right now, I think more than ever, we've lost sight of this. And I think it is the rallying cry. If you spend any time with me, you'll, you'll hear it over and over and over again. I said, it was someone who I never anticipated who set me on the path to being an entrepreneur. And when I was starting to figure out what will this look like? I knew where my sk- skill set was, which happened to be in the world of business. So I had a huge, huge advantage. I've been educated in the world of business. I had a career that was in marketing, sales, and operations. I had a lot of how to grow a business skill set already, but most of my peers didn't. And what really started to happen in that first business was people kept saying to me, "I really actually see you working this an hour a day." The commitment I made to my then fiance, who had teenage children in sport. So any parent will relate to what that looks like. You have no life. <laughs> I said, well, you guys are going to watch two hours or two episodes of friends. I'm going to go build my business. And I started building a business. I plugged into communities. I built a community from day one for people to be part of, because I knew most people didn't have skills in community. And yet what kept happening with people kept asking me, "Can I, can I buy you a cup of coffee? Because I'd like to know what you're actually doing. And I was like, sure. I like coffee. And it was through the conversation of, it can't be that simple. I'm like, business is simple. It's elegantly simple. And the world has convinced you it's not. But I've spent my career working with over 400 companies, created more than a billion dollars in revenue. I'm like, those that succeeded this, those that didn't and got in their own way did that. If you want to decide what path you want be aware of the foundations and nobody's talking about them because they, they, they jump you into what I call like chapter seven. It's easy to grow a client base when you have an audience. (laughs) No one's telling you how to build the audience. And it's interesting to talk about that, but I knew that people were the difference maker. People set me on this path. The people I went and invested in, whether that was courses or coaches or workshops, I was getting knowledge from other people because I knew that figuring everything out on my own, was the slowest path. There was a moment that came to in my journey where I was asked by my now coach, who have been with her a couple of years, where she said, I I believe you have the tenacity to make it work. Like I see how you're wired. But what will you look like in five years if you kept doing this all yourself? Because you're very resilient. You're very resourceful. But what will you look like? And I thought, where would my kids be? Where will my husband be in his career? Where will we be as a family with parents that were aging? I'm like, I don't recognize that person and that's not in a positive way. I'll be haggard, (laughs) overwhelmed. (laughs) And I just thought, I can't do that for five years. I haven't got the juice in my tank. So therefore, I must find people. I must find people to help me accelerate. And that is why I say very clearly, especially to the women in the audience, this badge of honor that I can figure everything out on my own is actually your biggest rock that's weighing you down. If you can get out of your own way and realize that it's more fun, it's more effective to actually find people to be with, grow with, and collaborate with, you will see the joy back into this. And honestly, you'll start going, oh, that's what I really wanted when I started. How did I get so (laughs) off track?
0: (laughs) Hmm. So let's backtrack a little bit because you've unpacked a lot in a very short time frame. Let's talk about when you worked an hour a day and you said, okay, I'm not going to watch Friends. I'm going to work an hour a day. What did you work on? Like, just give me like a couple of things that you did every day, because, you know, we do have tasks every day that we can do and some are money-making and some are not. So,
1: well, there's three and I tell people this, and this is what I mentor on. And this honestly is the gold ticket. There are three things that will move your business forward. Before I get to them, though, understand that two things predict your revenue. So the three things drive the two predictors. But the two predictors are how many people you know. And number two, how many offers are you making? If you are not making offers and not meeting people, you don't have a business. You have a hobby. Just clearly black and white. You have a hobby. So if you're thinking, I want a business and not a hobby, what are the things that shore up the results of meeting the right people, so that when you make the offer, you get the answer that says, yes, I wanna work with you. Well, there's three things, and this is the piece that people were missing. And this is what I worked on in that one hour, and it's what I work on with every day in my business, and what I mentor my clients on. The first is you need to go into and build an audience of buyers. And this is where we often get it wrong, and that's why it's so hard for people to see client growth. Business 101, I'll save you my degrees, (laughs) and all the time it took to get them. This is the shortcut. Business 101 says go to the market that's already spending and turn it towards you. You can go and build your audience and curate the demand, but I will tell you it's a longer path. So go where it already is happening. That's the shortcut. But from there, you need to turn the audience's attention towards you. Businesses that struggle don't spend enough time in audience building. And as a new business with no clients, I tell my clients 70% or more of your time is simply on this. Everything else is noise and distraction. Because without buyers and an audience who knows you exist, you're the best kept secret. And any time that people start to struggle with client growth, I say, when's the last time you met somebody new? When's the last time you did something intentionally to build an audience? And that doesn't mean you have to be on social media 24 seven. It doesn't mean that you have to have a big ad budget. It doesn't mean that you have to spend your way to getting it. There's a lot of organic ways to do it. I like experiential ones speaking, networking, and events because they attract my ideal client. But you have to build an audience and stay consistent with this because only 3% of buyers are ready to decide to choose to buy today, which means a whole bunch of people are observing and getting distracted by other priorities. So you've got to build this audience That's the first piece of the puzzle. So I was very intentional in that one hour. What can I do to get in front of new people, to get into new rooms, to to show up visibly outside of my four walls? Because my business didn't grow within the four walls. might grow on a screen or in a personal networking event, but I must build an audience. That's number one. Number two is you've got to communicate the message that creates curiosity and movement. The whole focus in where business gets it wrong is we get into description. We describe the problem. We talk about features and benefits and all of that doesn't create movement. You've sort of been lied to your whole life in business about this. It's important. It's important when you're you're making the conversation of the offer, but way before that, it's irrelevant because if you're talking at me, one, I'm not self-aware often to know you're talking to me. And so I just think you're entertaining and you're thinking you're my client and we don't connect and therefore nothing moves forward. Or you've talked to me and asked me questions I'm not prepared to answer and I feel criticised or shamed. And that also is not a great movement. So where business gets it wrong is in the messaging piece. You've forgotten what it's like when you're not in the place of awareness, enlightenment. And if you talk from that place, you will constantly, I say, just get lost in the sea of sameness. Your audience will be right in front of you, but they don't see you and you don't see them. And you walk right by each other. Well, doing that forever makes you broke. <laughs> it means your business doesn't move. So messaging is second component. But where I tell clients is you need to cannonball yourself into the deep end. What is it like when I got fired and spent 17 hours on the bathroom floor in a hotel far from home, wondering what the hell happened with my life. If you said to me, hey, did you get fired and feel kind of awful? Would I have been interested? No. What if I said, what am I going to do? And can you help me move out of the darkness? And can you empathize and said, I can't even imagine what that really feels like. I'll just hold space while you cry and fall apart. I would have been happy to have somebody in the dark with me. And so I tell people, you need to recognize what does the problem cost the person who's still in the dark? And what is the moment in movement where they say, I can't stay here. Everything I'm trying isn't working. I can't stay here. I'm tired of my own BS. What happens in that moment? You need to intersect it in the audience at that point, because that's where the awareness starts. And when you can figure out how to create curiosity and how to invite people to movement, everything starts to shift. People move from the back of the room and start making their way to the front of the room. Well, the more people that are your people who are ready to say, tell me what you're doing, it will impact the next stage, which is pillar number three, which is what is the offer you're focused around? And so often our offer is about you need me. Here's a tip. They don't need you at all. And they resent the fact that they might need help (laughs) because they'd (laughs) like to figure it out on their own. So be careful in that place because the offer is about value creation. What is the result that they're seeking? The only thing that will move them to investment is that the result is worth more than what it costs to invest. So what is the result and how can you create more value? And so when you're talking, especially to this audience, about how do you create more revenue streams? I'm always asking myself and my client, how do I create more value to the people that have already said, I feel safe in your space. And I've told stories to help build trust. And people have observed I'm capable and credible, and I'm their kind of person. All of this is a very human experience. And I think sometimes we've missed this. But if you don't get in front of new people, and you don't connect in the darkness where it's super vulnerable and say, I will hold space but I will also be a guide to get you moving to the result you seek. I am not the solution for you, I'm the guide to it. Do you believe I can help teach the skills, build the confidence, hold the line when you wobble to see the results? If the answer starts to move into the yes, guess what happens? The person who you've been speaking to in the dark says to you, tell me what it's like to work with you. And if you ask the question first, where do you see my value? What is it you think I can do with you that you can't do by yourself? And if you can have that conversation and it feels right and in alignment, you absolutely need to make an offer. And if not, you direct them somewhere else. But you've got to get clear by asking the question, what's the value? Because where you think you might be offering might be very different. And that's honestly how you can create more impact. It's also where you can create more income and more profit. But people miss these foundations. And I did these three things. I focused on an audience, I got really clear on who I wanted to serve in the intersection point that they were facing, and I made offers to movement, not necessarily by my stuff, please stop doing that, that's awful, but more of how can I help you move towards where you want to go? How do I create goodwill? How do I establish that I am viewed at some point in the future as the must-hire? And recognize I have to have the patience to realize that if only 3% are ready to buy today, I must build this audience who are people who are someday I'm going to want to work with you. And I know that as an answer. And the reason I maybe am not ready is not because you're not capable, but I'm scared to bet on myself at this point in time still. And that's usually where the conversation is happening with my business all the time. I said, well, when you're ready, I am here. Because I am still moving and I'm committed to my vision. The interesting thing about it is every time I work with a client who's been around my audience for a while, they're like, I really should have done this last year or the year before (laughs) or the year before. And I'm like, well, what happens now? It's like, now I really need to accelerate. I'm like, okay, well, you choose your speed. We could have done this two years ago, move slower. But right now it's usually at a crisis point. They're like, I need to move fast. Because I've either lit the fire and put oxygen on it or I simply am not having the luxury of a long path anymore because I've wasted time and I need the result today.
0: That's fantastic. With regards to multiple revenue streams, share how you have built multiple revenue streams within your business.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, the first thing was, you know, my first business led to my second, which led to my third. (laughs) It's not my plan, but the first business was, I said, was, was something that I was doing one hour a day, but people kept coming to me and saying, What are you doing in business? And eventually it was started with I said, the invitation to have coffee. And I had my fair share of coffees with people who were business owners. And what I observed was I knew what to focus on and I made it non negotiable. They would do sprints and then take their foot off the gas, sprints and then take the foot off the gas. And it was exhausting. And they were doing the hokey pokey they're like, okay, so tell me how you stay in action. I said, I focus on the 1%. Stay in movement. I didn't decide, do I show up today? Uh, That was already decided. It was like, I'm showing up today. What do I focus on? And so that coffee conversation led to a second business, which was, I see it. I observe what you're doing, but I'm really struggling to implement it. I would really value having regular coffee with you, having a regular thinking partner. And I really value your time. So can I pay you? And I was like, that is so odd. Okay. And then I went and talked to other people in the in the mentorship business and talked a little bit about that. And I was not a big fan of what I saw in the industry, which is people telling you I can show you how to grow a business, having never managed or ran a business of that level at all. I said, mm-hmm. Well, I've done startup to working for the fifth largest company on the planet. I have made big decisions. I've had the PL responsibility. I've hired fired, grown, scaled back, rich wrenched, shut down businesses. I've done all of that. Most business coaches in the business today don't have that credibility. And so I'm like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I want it to to have a very clear, optional path to come into the business. So this first business gave rise to Clear Acceleration. That's my primary business today, where I formally both mentor and I go in to consult. And I then decided, what will the results they be, they need? What are the results they need? How can I best serve them? And I created multiple programs. I have only two, two paths in. You can either come in and high touch, high result, which is a one-to-one. And I only take a certain number of clients because it's very much, the results are a given, what's the speed at which we want to travel. I also do have a group program. And the group program is a little bit about building the first domino. It's not the whole enchilada, but I said, it's where you start. Because right now you might be in a place in your business where you're saying, I simply can't get over the question of how, how do I do this? I said, how is the wrong question? But you're going to keep asking it. So come for a group program to get the answer you need so that it will open the door. And why do I think how's the wrong question? Because it's a knowledge-based question. Knowledge is an easy one to solve. You have to just solve it (laughs) and get out of your way. More importantly is who do you need with you, which is the community piece we spoke earlier. But then I started to observe, I work with a lot of clients in the States. So as your business starts to scale, how do I manage the question of capacity with my clients? Because I don't want you working 100 hours a week. And if the answer is the only way to scale is to serve more clients, there's a tipping point where you start to resent your business. Because it's like, I need to give up my time And so we started to think about how can we drive top line and bottom line revenue for my clients, particularly my U.S.-based clients. And I'm like, well, there's certain ways we can help you with the profitability. And I just kept referring this to somebody I know who did that as a business, except for she's like, do you know how much business you refer to me? I'm like, no, I just think it's great because you're great at what you do. She's like, you should be a business partner of mine and take a share of this. Like, I didn't really want a third business. She's like, but could you commit two hours to me a week? And I will lead the bulk of it, but I need your expertise and I need your coaching in my environment. People will have a benefit. And I'm like, okay, well, that's fun because that's another audience for me. And it's fun work for me. And so, next thing I know, it gave birth to the third business. And as I'm active, what is happening now is it's regular where people come in to say, Ken, I've got an idea which is always my favorite conversation. I've got an idea because every time I hear it, I think I can create value. Where do you see my value? And so I might get brought in for projects that are both short-term and potentially create recurring revenue. And what I tell my clients all the time is we don't build a business in a nanosecond. My goal is not to make you dependent on me. My goal is to help you make better decisions for the long-term to create repeatable success. But what happens while I'm doing that is because I'm moving and you're moving, we keep creating more value, we start creating recurring revenue. Books, podcasts, opportunities to speak, opportunities to come in and consult, opportunities to work with not just you know business leaders, but then my business leaders come to me and say, could you come in and run an innovation day with my team? Sure, all of this creates multiple revenue streams. And I'm really clear I want to take revenue at the expense of more time in my business. I work a set number of hours. That's my goal line. Because I said I don't want to be where I was in corporate, working a hundred hours a week, traveling on Sundays, giving up my evenings to find myself walking into the bar and finding myself <laughs> persona non-grata, even though I hit all of my metrics. Yeah. You have to think creatively, how can I create more value and be open to the fact that you will not expect how it shows up? I have three businesses today none of which I really imagined. I get invited into opportunities all the time. And I spend time with a thinking partner, my case, my coach and my mastermind that I'm part of, say, how can I create more value? And that's a really important conversation you must slow down to ask. Because there are so many ways to monetize things, but monetize things that feel like fun for you and create movement and lead to the right rooms. Every day I will do that every day feels like fun. And that's where the business just keeps lifting and not at the expense of now I'm working 24 seven. I like that
0: explanation. I think that's really important. I do have a quick question because mm-hmm. I think our listeners would like to know this. And I know it's gonna be different for everybody. It's not a set time frame, but how long did you work your side hustle working an hour a day? And I want our listeners to understand that you- you had a lot of business knowledge leading up to this. How long did you work before leaving your corporate job?
1: Well, here's the catch. I'm still working a corporate job and I do, still do it. This is the interesting thing. I run a corporate job in three businesses and I have a life and a family. And I don't say that to brag. People are like, how? And I'm like, I have a very clear timeline to get out of corporate. And you know, that conversation of you do have to know what is your non-negotiable because the first two years I spent on my first business, just working at one hour a day, except for I started to pick up coaching clients in those first two years. And then I sat down and had a conversation with the accountant and she's like, so what's the game plan here? How do we manage the tax conversation? (laughs) Because you're getting income on top of a very big corporate salary. So like we need to plan what's the plan. And that gave birth to the starting of the corporation and then the moment the corporation started i said now i have to be really visible under my own corporate umbrella and that's going to put at risk every day my job what was more important to me and i had some wobbles on the path but i was like my long-term plan is my own where did i start so i said i have to play that tight wire and and i started to then saying okay while I'm still running both a corporate job and three businesses and not wanting to work more hours, I have to get really clear on where my boundaries are. And I need to know very clearly where my punch out is and say, this is what it will look like to get here. And I know that the energy I put in shortens the runway. That's why I have people in my life. I paid for their support. And I also choose which communities where they keep saying, so why exactly are you still doing that? And I'm like, it's just fear. I know I could because if they changed in a heartbeat, I would absolutely just start running faster. So that's my own fear. It still happens, guys. I, I will just own that. But the interesting thing about when I started that first business, I said, but I recognize myself if I went this on my own, I wouldn't be where I am with three businesses if I had been solo. The ability to have thinking partners that I pay for my coach, my mastermind, allow me to say, how can I hit one or two hours here, here, and here to create income that replaces my corporate salary to get me out. And it just is so helpful to have those conversations and to know that I'm constantly reminding myself as a business owner and as an employee, you must focus on the right things because you don't have the luxury to spin your wheels. And so I remind myself, two things, predict your revenue. And so I have a tracker on my wall. How many people am I meeting? How many offers am I making? And every time I start to think, If I feel like that exhaustion is kicking up, I go back and say, what did I do this week? And suddenly it's like really distractive things. You know, I spent a ton of time on content. It doesn't me wrong, content's needed, but I could reuse content and be more efficient instead of always creating new stuff. I got distracted by, you know, logos and pictures and fun things and all those things. I said, but none of that is offer related. And I've got to be clear, when's the last time I'm really focused on the engine and I have to course correct And then remind myself, what's the goal line? Go play. Go play. Because it's not enough to just run at the business. I really want to have the life I wanted. And you can't sacrifice everything in either or mentality. You have to think about the end. And it's like, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this. And this is what it's going to look like was one hour a day when I started, my kids were young. Now it's very clear. My husband's like, I golf Thursday nights, feel free to do all your video podcasting Thursday nights.
0: (laughs) Great though. That's how you work with your family and with business and with your corporate job. I love that because clearly your time management is phenomenal. (laughs) It has to be otherwise it wouldn't work. Just a a couple other things, because we've got just a little bit of time left. Can you share two time management tips for us? Because clearly you are doing phenomenal things. (laughs)
1: Well, And and this is a learned skill. So I will tell you, even if you really can't get it, but the first thing I I really focus on is what are the non-negotiables? First off, it's it's really laser focused on what are the non-negotiables? And, you know, I, I remind myself to not just mentor it to others, but to live it and embody it myself. So I go, what needs to get done? And I really get critical about, does this lead to the offer? That's number one. Does this lead to something about a collaboration that can open an audience piece for me? That would be number two. And I really get really clear on this because I'm I'm a post-it note person. So I've got post-it notes on these are the ideas and I keep an idea sheet, but I go, is the idea thing a today thing? does it lead to an immediate offer or does it lead to an audience build? If so, then it gets into the priority. If not, it just stays as an idea because if it's a good idea now and it's foundational, it'll be a great idea still in a month. And I let that go. Second piece of it, as I block time, I get a pattern developed and make it non-negotiable. I write and draft emails that go out Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And if I have extra things that come up in my mind because I'm Spinning always, then I might do something later in the week. But the first bit is I have a pattern. I say, I do this on these days. And the hardest bit for me, because I'm also a tripe and I'm driven and I want to help people, is I'll flex for you. I've had to work really hard about sometimes not doing that, saying your commitment to yourself is key. And I will tell you a funny story and, and respect the time. But when I made my first really big investment decision, The biggest conversation that I had was not a money one. Money was the easy excuse. I was like, that's a lot of money. And it was, it was $10,000. But at the time it was like, it really wasn't the money thing because I could see the money would bring a return and I could see it because there was track record and there was was people I could observe. And so it was walking the talk. The biggest thing is if I spent $10,000 on myself and not my husband or my kids or their education, then I really had to show up for myself. That was the big head trash I had to deal with. My husband's like, what's so weird about this? He's like, have you ever done something and not committed? Like, if you're going to do this, you'll commit. But then I had to say, I will block my time. And when the kids were like, you know, I want to do this. I'm like, that's your one hour. You can do it with or without dad. It was optional. But I said, I'm going to go do this for an hour. I also give the third piece to this is permission for other people to hold my boundaries. So if I say to my husband, like this weekend's a little unusual, I'm going to be, I'm I'm speaking at a live in-person event. So I've given my Sunday to that. And so he's like, but that means Saturday's a full family day, right? If I sneak into the office on a weekend, my husband sets a timer and says, no, you had it all week. You get one hour, whatever, whatever you're doing. Is it critical? If it's just a nice to have, No. Close the door. And I do keep a separate office space, like I have a door on it so that I don't get distracted by one more thing, one more thing, one more thing. But boundaries, you've got to get clear. You've got to schedule it because what gets scheduled, you need to make it clear. Your business and your dreams shouldn't be given what's left of you at the end of the day. If you're giving the rest of you to everybody else, that's the big shift. And when I started to get visible about my business and when I incorporated, I said it has to be really a priority. The mm-hmm. only one will hold that line is me.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. A couple quick questions at the end here. What's the best advice
1: you've ever received? I think it's just the reminder that what will it look like if you have to do it on your own? Okay. That I question stopped me in the tracks because I didn't have a good answer. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the, the key question was, what would it, your, lo, what will your life look like if you continue to do this path on your own? See, what will your life look like in five years? And that, and I was like, I don't have an answer to that. And when I see, it isn't really attractive in any way, shape or form. I thought i would be haggard and old and unrecognizable. Yeah. Very smart. Um, i got to change the answer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah no. Do you have a favorite app or system that you use in your business daily?
1: You know, I probably have six or seven things that are always ongoing. So obviously you've got your email, but I will tell you, I'm disciplined. I don't let emails, I don't have any ding notifications. This is my thing. My husband and I are so opposite on this. I don't let things hijack my time. So I don't have notifications on, but, you know, having an email system is key. Having a CRM and a way to track what is the important priorities is key. And, you know, and my website is always open it is the ecosystem in which you grow your business. It should always be evolving with you. And whether you do the tech bit or don't do the tech bit, that's just a decision on scaling and investing mm-hmm. and where your best time is spent. But I have a couple tools that I really track and I would be lost you know, without um, my phone. But at the same time, I when I'm really strategic with the rabbit holes of the phone. I don't have notifications on. And if I'm going to go and look for speaking is one of my key vehicles, I'm like, you get 30 minutes to go into that, to go look for opportunities. That's it.
0: Okay. I like it. Again, time management tips. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Why don't you just give us a quick, your quick URL as to where listeners can find you online and everything will be in the show
1: notes. Yeah, I would say just come connect to me. And so this is the tip. This is me walking the talk. Everything is in my ecosystem, which is the heart of my website. And it is my name, campbellrapin.com And that's R-A-P-I-N is the second last name. And this is the ecosystem. You'll find resources, events, more about my programs and services. But I will tell you, come and connect. Start the conversation wherever you are. I always tell people you can sit in the back room or the front room. Doesn't matter to me. Hopefully we'll take some tips to identify a gap that will help you accelerate, create more income in your business. Be my invitation to come find me there.
0: Wonderful. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for being a guest today. And I look forward to connecting in the future. 100%. And now a quick note from our sponsor. What's the number one piece of jewelry? Maybe besides your wedding band that you wear every day. I don't know about you, but for me, it's earrings. No matter how busy I am, I put a pair of earrings on every day. And I keep an extra pair in my purse for earring emergencies. Because let's face it, we are all super busy. Try the complete luxury Earring of the Month Club, where you will receive one pair of earrings every month. The whole idea of the Earring of the Month Club is to build an earring wardrobe for you to have a variety of earrings, no matter what the occasion, no matter what your mood, you will have earrings to wear with your outfit. Many of our customers tell us they would not have picked out some of the earrings, but love them. And once they put them on, they wear them all the time. For your earring of the month club experience, go to completeluxurybox.com forward slash earrings. That's completeluxurybox.com forward slash earrings with an S.